Hell yeah. Does it look like I'm in like a cave right now, like lit yes. by candlelight? Are you in a cave lit by candlelight? Uh, for all intents and purposes, yeah. It doesn't matter. We don't record video. Dead. Uh, so, so tell us who you are and what you do and who you love the most. Who me I, who I am, who am I? Um, I, my name is Jake Summers, you know, play a little guitar, play a couple other things, put out music under my name. Um, I also play with Confusions. Play with my boy John in T-shirt and Maida Mutaro, and I'm just a giant music nerd that likes weird music, I guess. Is Confusions your project? No. Uh, Confusions started with Ben, um, which I think Mario met. I don't think you met Ben. Yeah, I know Ben. Yeah. Confusions is Ben, and he was looking for some live members. So he, we actually ran into each other. I was working at Whole Foods, and I was playing a, a Black Moth Super Rainbow record, and Ben was like, oh, shit, I love this band. And I'm like, yeah. And then next thing I know... I'm playing. So it kind of branched out from there. Started out with just Ben and then it turned into like a live project. I feel like whenever you hear somebody else listen to weird music, it's kind of like that it's always sunny scene when they're eating in the restaurant and they just like look over and make eye contact and like don't break for like 40 seconds. It's like, yeah, dude, he's staring right at me. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was playing some weird ass record and you know, fucking Upper Arlington in a in a grocery store, and this guy, you know, called me out, and that's how we became friends. Hey, man, you like the Locust? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, dude, they fucking suck. <laughs> uh, same thing with uh, with John from T-shirt. We both like just geeked out over Hella, and we're like, hey, let's try and rip them off as much as we can, and then now we're best friends. Dude, T-shirt is so much more. T-shirt is like my, <laughs> maybe like my, I don't know, what. definitely one of my favorite things in Columbus. T-shirt is? Yeah. I need to like spend time and listen to T-shirt. Usually I take like 20, 30 minutes before one of these interviews and like sit down and like do research. And today I was like, I got this shit. <laughs> And uh, and then it was like T-shirt confusions. Uh, I should have I should have like Googled. Um, I think we may have lost Jake. His little camera's frozen. He's got a nice, pretty smile on for he, us, though. He does have a beautiful smile. And it's just frozen on his perfect smile. Whatever, Mario. I was listening to your to your record, oh. um, to the the advanced copies <laughs> <laughs> to the advanced copies don't tell anybody i won't tell anybody and uh i was like i was afraid that the notes i was giving you last night were like too much because i like sent like a million things a million files over to you and then like it was like i guess it was oh, i just didn't i just didn't respond <laughs> i was like oh shit was the 90, 90 hertz comment too much? Did I like no, cross the line? It was, not, it was not that it was unhelpful or unwarranted. I just 
got busy doing other shit and then I passed out and then I woke up and looked at the text and I was like, Oh my God, he texted me a hundred things last <laughs> night and I just didn't respond. He probably thought I was mad or something. Well, you were like, give me as detailed a notes as you possibly can. And I was like, Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And then I was like, did he mean that? Did yeah. he not mean that? Should I have given him no notes? Like, I like the idea of somebody being like, yeah, be as critical as you want. And then the second they're like, not like kissing your ass, like, fuck, this is over. Yeah. Do you remember the guy when we played that one show, that house show that he was like, hey, like, what'd you guys think? And we were like, yeah, you guys were great. And they were like, okay. They were like mediocre band. (laughs) And and I think they were there from another state. And we were just like, we were just like, yeah, it was fine. Like, it was good. And he's like. What, what would you make better? And we were like, I don't know, man. Like, it was fine. Like, it was good. And he was just like, no, like, I want you to tell me something that was wrong. I want to get better. And we were both just like, I don't know, man. I don't really have anything to say. <laughs> and then and then he walked away and you were like, if we said anything negative to that guy, he w- would have melted down. And I was like, <laughs> absolutely. He was like such a sad boy. I was like, we cannot give this person honest criticism. There's no fucking way. He, that was like the most uncomfortable, like band to band interaction I think I've ever had. (laughs) And like, he, yeah, he was like, no, 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 Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. And I was like, you don't have a healthy relationship with anybody in your life, do you? (laughs) Like, what were your parents like, dude? They, they, every, that kid was probably like in marching band playing like the cymbals. And then his dad had like, a legal pad of notes for every song that they played. And he was like, I don't know, man, like it wasn't loud enough. At, uh, this bar wasn't loud enough at this bar. It wasn't loud enough at this bar. And like, I was afraid that you were like, yeah, be as critical as you want. And I was like, well, the bass frequency at 90 Hertz in the second song is a little overwhelming. And you're like, fuck you, dude. Don't ever <laughs> talk to me again. I'm selling all oh, your t-shirts. I was listening to it playing like video games earlier. Just on like crappy, crappy like laptop speakers. And it kind of made me sad that that's like something, that's another step you have to do when you're like listening to a record is like, yep. Listen to it on the lowest common speakers you can get. You know what I mean? Yep. I've listened to it on my phone and I've listened to it on a laptop because that's what a lot of people are going to listen to it on. What did you think? Should we start this over? Are you still recording? Yeah, I'm still recording. Have you texted him? Yeah. He's like, Oh, my Wi-Fi dropped one second. Okay. All right. So he'll be back. Um, you can keep recording or we can start over. It's up to you. Let's just keep it. Fuck it. All right, cool. Um, uh, yeah, I think like, To I don't me, know, like it's your like a record weird thing, but I think you have to be aware of it. Yeah. To me, your record has a very clear, like, I want to say, like, hierarchy of frequencies. Yeah. Like, you know when you listen to, like, a muddy-sounding recording? And I'm not saying yours yeah. is muddy. I'm saying yours is not muddy at all. But, like, to That's me... That's good to hear, because I feel like that weird bass frequency thing, it felt, like, a little, like... Like, yeah. like it Did was, you... like, humming the whole time. Did you listen to the the song that I sent you with that frequency literally just like notched out? No, I haven't listened to it yet. Okay, so 
two things about your record. I put it into Ableton so I could like monitor the frequencies because I heard that yeah. on, on the headphones I was listening to, which are Jackie's like really nice headphones. And I was like, oh yeah, this frequency is like popping out. It's bugging me a little bit. So I put it in Ableton. I found the frequency and I just dropped it out instantly better. Like yeah. cleaned it up. So I was like, okay, so like you don't have to get this remixed or whatever. Yeah. And then I was putting it, I was like, what happens if you just put like the like, stock Ableton mastering compressor on it and I did and then I to me it was like oh that's done that's the record don't do anything anymore <laughs> I was like yeah I wish you were like here at the time so I could have been like it's done like all you got to do is <laughs> just bounce it from Ableton with the like stock mastering compressor on and then you're done like it sounded fine to me yeah but like that one, that one frequency was bothering me. But yeah, to me, your songs yeah. have like the low frequencies don't have like much overlap with the guitar frequencies. Like there's bass down here on the low side and there's guitar up here on the high side. And like yeah. that's, I don't know if that's like a direct correlation between doing live takes of stuff. Yeah. Or if that's just like how you and Peter sound or what? I guess there's it's no way to know. Probably, it's probably partially the way that Rob engineered it and like EQ'd it coming in to the board. But I think it's probably also, I mean, I'm very intentional about, um, like I don't like a lot of bass in my guitar. I like have the lows rolled way, way down, which is also that Fender amp that has like booming lows anyway. But um, I have the lows down at like two and then I have the mids and the highs up at like eight or nine. Um. Which you can, you hear he is, but you could hear that. Yeah. Okay. My don't talk any more shit about Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking. Stop talking shit about Jake. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 hey. Nobody talking any shit about Jake anymore. I mean, um. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. So, Jake, why are you the worst? No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, give me a second. Let me put together a list real quick. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Mario was saying, just talking about how much he loves. My band and everything I've ever done, I think. That's really yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. T-shirt. T-shirt is one of my favorite things in Columbus. Once Hands you down. went away, he talked about how much he just loved you. It's actually really sweet. Oh. Yeah. Oh, damn. I'm sorry I missed that. It's true. But yeah, T-shirt is sick as fuck. Also, John is like great at like engineering and producing stuff. So it sounds good, but it's weird as shit. So it's like really, really cool to like have something that's really weird and experimental, but it actually sounds good. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thanks. What was man. the first? Like, yeah. Most what was people, that like when they do first? Like weird experimental shit, it's, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I wanted to know like what that record was. Like, I feel like everybody who gets into like out of the box music has that like first record they hear that just like melts their brain inside their head and it falls out their ears and they're like, oh, you can do this? There's no rules? Yeah. Fuck yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh definitely mr bungle's first record for me was like huge just in high school i was just looking for shit you know weird shit to kind of freak people out <laughs> too because because i just like i don't know being weird i guess and and bungle hit hit every you know mr every, bungle hits every time every song they do and yeah just every Still. weird like combination of sounds you didn't think could ever happen and they just kind of make it work 
so that was a huge bungle was a huge band that inspired that i think when i like first started playing instruments when i was in like fifth grade my uncle gave me sailing the seas of cheese by primus <laughs> yeah and i put it on and i was like what the fuck like mm. it just that just like bitch slapped blink 182 right in the face for me i was like oh holy shit you can use two hands and do stuff like i was all about it yeah yeah he uh he's fucking crazy and then you go into you dive into like like rush from primus and then you get into like deep prog music and then you're just in a whole fucking world I think I went like more into like metal music. Oh, it took you into, okay. I think it took me a little bit into like Metallica and then like, I, I, Mr. Bungle was like right there. Phantomas was like right there. Yeah. Cause they all kind of like traveled in that group together. Like, and then I heard the fall of choice, like demo tapes on MySpace, And, uh, I was like, this is three people. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's almost, that's almost that's like, like that's almost fall of Troy is one of the, it's like, it's like if blink 182's music was written by a bunch of like math nerds, you know what I mean? Like it's, you almost came full circle, but in, a, in a brand new context because it's punk, it's kind of emo, but it, it's completely beyond that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think blink when maybe that's a, maybe that's a far, it's hard. No, 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 to draw. No. There was, there was a time when like every like pop punk band and like every emo band would have like a little section of every song that kind of gently reminded everybody that they actually practiced. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like they had their little like, and you're like, Oh shit. And then they go right back to eighth notes and like power chords. Mm-hmm. Like Rufio. Um, yeah. So what else are you up to? Did you, you released an album under your own name, right? Yeah, I just released, I, I'd consider it my first like full-length album. I have one before that, Which Songs, which is kind of just something I pulled out of my asshole because I, I was like, I need some music. Yeah, so I just farted that out. And, and so this is kind of like a f- more fully realized um, album. So yeah, I released that on Halloween. It's, it's a loose concept album. What's the concept? Um, it's just kind of, it, it like loosely follows the story of this guy that meets this person and he's just like instantly like enveloped and, and they fall in love and they, and they spend one night together and then, you know, they're out camping in the woods and they spend the night together in their tent and, um, and then the guy wakes up and the person's gone. And he's all like dramatic, you know, what was me about it? And and then he just kind of realizes he's like, damn, that I, I kind of blasted through that real quick. You know what I mean? Like he he put all of this, these feelings into this person that he just met and expected everything. Kind of got slapped in the face with the reality. Did this happen to you? Did you like go camping <laughs> with somebody and like wake up and you're like, I'm in the middle of Utah and they're gone. <laughs> And they drove here. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, not directly, but I am known to, I don't know, you know, I, uh, 
I've just done, you know, I've done things like that in the past. I'm very hyperactive internally, maybe not so much externally. But things move very fast in my head, and then all of a sudden I end up in some, you know, wacky situation I didn't really foresee. Or I just, you know, run with things way too fast, and then, and then uh, you know, shit gets it, I, crazy. I think an unhealthy emotional relationship can also, like, make you feel alive <laughs> so yeah, when it's right. going yeah, on you you're get just like, like high up that like that you know sometimes toxic energy which is you know feeds that 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 itch and like waking up in a field camping <laughs> is like the perfect like oh whoops ah, that was yeah <laughs> yeah it's so easily to, it's so easy to romanticize like that specific situation has never happened but it it totally would happen to me. You know what I mean? You just find something, find this person while you're camping and you, you have like two things in common and then you think you're in love with them. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I've never been camping. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'll ever go camping. You've never been camping. What? Is that weird? I mean, I grew up in North Jersey. Like I don't know anybody who's been camping until I moved out here. Look, I, all I'm saying is that if you watch The Sopranos, which is based in Jersey, and, and some of the some of the the scenery out there is 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 where I grew up. Are prettier than Ohio, yeah. Oh, it's like New Jersey has way more trees than Ohio, way more like topographical variants than Ohio. It's like it is. It can be beautiful, even like a stone's throw away from America's biggest city. And, but like, it's all still like really, really, like really dense. So you have to kind of like go out a little ways to like get into like proper nature. Like last week I was driving to Nashville and it was 10 minutes driving South on 71 before we were in nowhere at like absolute emptiness. Probably, probably still in the city of Columbus. (laughs) <laughs> just like farms and shit yeah that's true ohio's like there's like columbus and then there's like the rest of ohio <laughs> you know it's we're surrounded by by nature which is kind of nice it's pretty accessible i would argue that it's surrounded by like f- deforested nature though yeah like there's a lot of like empty fields which yeah, doesn't feel like and- there's no like can urban canopy or like you know what i mean like trees and shit if you head south south like towards cincinnati you'll like if you go south enough you'll you'll start to hit some some nice kind of untouched relatively untouched i mean it's all been you know messed with but but are you serpent mound is really cool i'm from hilliard so i am a suburban white boy i i am not a country boy by by any means I just yeah, like really wishes I, I was a country boy. You guys went to high school together? Yeah. Oh. Well, I think we missed each other. You were like three three years ahead of me or something. I'm twenty twelve. Oh sh- yeah, so I I went to Davidson uh sophomore year, so you were a year graduated by then. Okay. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. You graduated high school in twenty sixteen? Yeah. And you have mutton chops like those? <laughs> just clean Damn, them up. Dude. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's unreal. Mine, my hair and my beard don't connect. There's like a little gap. And I didn't know I could grow a beard until the economy shut down. <laughs> <laughs> and I had nothing else to do. I was like, I might as well try it. That's the best time to try. I was always so upset, you know, growing up. I was like, man, why can't I grow a beard? I just want a beard. And now that I, you know, I have to deal with this bullshit every week. Effortless, though. Well, no, I mean, I still have like weird shit, you know, it, it's not full. It's it's not looking like Mario's, but it's, you know, I, I kind of, I wished it all too soon because now I got to shave down here yeah. where it doesn't like even Like at the shave. Adam's apple? Yeah, right. You can already see like five o'clock shot. I literally shaved yesterday. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I grew my beard out for like maybe like a month and a half, two months before my wedding. Cause I was going to go to a salon and like get a haircut, get it done. And I thought like the, the worse it looks and the more hair there is, the more that the guy can like shape it into <laughs> like halfway decent looking. And yeah. then this dude cut the fucking shit out of my beard. Like he was meticulous and brilliant. I almost want to like, Give him a shout out. I forgot. It was you on. Should, man. Yeah. yeah, it was fucking unreal. You know, like, how many jobs have you had where you fucking wake up every morning, you don't give a flying fucking shit, and you half ass it till you mm. go home and you don't want to go the next day? This dude lived to cut hair, man. This dude lived for this shit. He's an artiste. He was an artiste. I mean, man, I've had a million bad jobs that I don't give a fuck about. And I was like, oh, man, this guy's. This guy's living the fucking dream. Yeah, it, it, it's got to feel good to like find find your craft and then make make some money with it too. Yeah, mm. it was maybe also briefly taken away from him during the shutdown. Like maybe That's he true. came back with a new appreciation for it. Yeah, he's like, I need to cut hair. Like <laughs> yes. he has been, he was waiting. You know, all of quarantine. He was showing up hungover, half an ass. It was just like, oh fuck. <laughs> And then he was like, I went two months without cutting hair and I'm going to just, I'm not going to cut hair. I'm going to make hair art. Yeah. He's like, never again will I half-ass a haircut. And then like a week later, I shaved my head. It's buzzed it all gone. I was like, eh, it didn't grow out so good. So I shaved it off. <laughs> yeah. I, I've just recently started getting haircuts and it's a weird, it's a weird world to dive into, especially in the middle of a pandemic. I think you mean pandemic, okay? Hey, okay. I got okay. some YouTube videos you, to Jack. show you. <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, on my way down to Nashville, every um, but like gas station I stopped at, everybody was wearing a mask, but they were doing the like sub nose wearing of the mask, yeah. where your nose is just like out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which to me seems so much worse than just not wearing a mask. Cause it's like not honest. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you're not fooling anyone. <laughs> like, people, like, I, I serve coffee, uh, and then people come up and just, you know, like take their mask off to talk to you. It's like, no, like the whole point is for you to have your mask on, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. Ah, uh, do you like working at a coffee shop? This, this particular place I love it's, 
Speaking of like jobs that you're passionate about, this is the first job I felt like I've been genuinely passionate about for, you know, for, um, I've been there almost a year and that's, you know, by, by, by this point, usually with jobs, I'm either like tapped out or, you know, looking around for new stuff, but this, yeah, I, I really enjoy working at this place. And being a barista is cool because there's, you know, there's a, there's craft to it. If you're serving good coffee, then you just take it to the next level and, and bust out some cool latte art, you know. We just talked to my friend, John Kaz, who started his own mail order, like bean roastery. Like he'll just like mail you beans to your house. And he and I worked at a coffee shop. I worked there for about a year. And I was, I, I hated it at first because everybody took it like way more seriously than I took it. Yeah. And then like the more responsibility I got, the more tight it was. And now I'm a total coffee douche. Like a full blown. <laughs> your, your third wave all the way. Yeah. Insufferable, dude. Like you, uh, I'm awful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm very self-aware of you know, my position in, in the coffee world. And I try to catch myself when I start like, you know, like getting annoyed when people are like, what is this? What is this? But, but at the same time, if you come to that kind of shop, you should have some base level knowledge, you know, you know, don't, don't be asking for a caramel frappuccino at, at the place. Oh, well like coffee, because, <laughs> because like Starbucks has like rebranded so many things like, when people ask for a macchiato, you could just fucking slap him in the face, like with like a, do you mean? Yeah, that's, I mean, literally, literally, you know, at least five times a day, at least twice today I can count where, you know, we tell, it, we, we tell people it's not a Starbucks ma- macchiato. Did you, have you ever like had some like bananas stories? Um, yeah. Yeah, not happened to me, but some of my coworkers just have said some crazy stuff during, you know, during the pandemic. Just people finding every excuse to avoid putting on a mask. Oh, customer service is hard. It's hard. See, that's that's the thing. You know, it's that's the trade. Like, that's my thing with the job. Like, if 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 the product or the good I'm providing isn't the best it can be, then I'm going to be immediately like, um, kind of disheartened by it. And I, and I just won't enjoy the job as much because I won't be happy about, you know, the quality of the product. So, so if the product is, is, you know, really up there, then it kind of makes the shitty part of customer service, not so bad. The shitty part. Well, how do you feel when you receive shitty customer service? Because before I worked in a coffee shop, I was always kind of like, oh, they were so rude. And now I'm just like, I get it. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I have I have a theory. I've had I, My first job was at Kroger, so and I, I was there for three years just because of convenience, I guess. Um, so I, you know, I, I started in the working world with, with bad customers. And so my theory is that the way that capitalism has has um, designed customer service is like when a customer comes into any place that where they expect to be served, 
their intuition immediately turns off, you know what I mean? And they just basically walk up to you with their hands open, you know, just wanting me and, and their observational skills, you know, dip a little bit, but <laughs> I can't, yeah, it's not a personal thing. I, I never really personally blame a customer. It usually you can just laugh it off. It's no big deal. I was thinking about like funny stuff that happened when I worked at a coffee shop and I was one time I was working, it was like super early in the morning and this Finnish woman would come in every morning and she would get a large coffee. She would come from the gym, get a large coffee and go. And then one day she came in, she left. Maybe two minutes later, her husband came in and I was like, Hey, your wife just left. And he was like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, yeah, she totally just left with a large coffee. And he was like, yo, she got a large coffee? And I was like, yeah, like two seconds ago. And then he was like, no, 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 no. The Finnish woman, blonde, like 6'1". I was like, I know who you're married to. You come in here all the time. <laughs> and he like girls, scrolls to his phone, shows me her. I'm like, yes, her. He was like, dude, before she went to the gym, she made herself an entire French press, drank it, went to the gym, and gets a large coffee from you? And mm. I was like... Ah, I was like, every day, I guess. Whoa. Uh, and I was like, and then he was like, he wasn't even mad. He was just like, damn, she drinks a lot of coffee. and just like walked off. <laughs> yeah. Just like disbelief. Yeah. I, I am addicted to caffeine. I have a hard time managing that, but I don't know. Actually, that's not true. I, you know, for every, I'll probably drink two, three drinks a shift maximum and i'm talking like tiny you know like a, a cortado or a macchiato right so i'm not chugging ounces of milk but oh i was i am still full-blown addicted to caffeine <laughs> but it's the easiest addiction to manage it's it, honestly it is i mean you just you you combat it with like you know two bottles of water per per coffee drink and you'll you'll cruise you know what time do you have to wake up it like depends. When I open, I got to wake up at like six. Oh, yeah. But that's the earliest. I almost got skunked opening up my coffee shop once. I was like walking into the street and like I was walking. And as I was like walking right in front of my path, a, a uh, skunk walks out. We kind of look at each other. We panic. We both panic. I go left. It goes left. It go, I go right. It goes right. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm about to get skunked. And then I had the thought, like, what do you do if you get skunked? Like, do you call 911? You just, you just <laughs> cry. You quit your job. You quit everything. You just cry. You retire. Like, nobody's coming to get me. I know. Yeah. You, and no one wants to get near you. They're like, oh, shit, are you okay? Oh, he, oh God. The it was smell like 530 just... in the morning. I was alone with the crepuscular animals. That's terrifying. Glad you it made it out. This reminds me of something that happened to me that is not really relevant to skunks, but just relevant to like right before work mm -hmm. and like what you would have done if you got sprayed. There was a time I was biking to work every day and there was a day I got to work and I like put my bike on the rack. I reached in my backpack and my bike lock wasn't in there and it was like a 20 minute bike ride. And I was just like, do I have to go back home and get my bike lock and then come back. And, and I was like, I'm going to be like an hour late. And I just panicked and I just texted my boss and I was like, 
hey, I don't feel good. I'm staying home today. And then I just biked home and stayed home. <laughs> what if he was like, I, just, I see you down there. I just like painted. Like, I just- <laughs> but it actually happened again. And the second time I just like took my bike into the office. And everyone was like, why the fuck do you have your bike in here? And I was like, I forgot my lock. And they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, it was that easy. I didn't have to panic at all. <laughs> Everybody immediately was like, oh, you know what? That's totally understandable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. it's all, I mean, that's always how anything really is. Like, you know, ne- I, I will panic about the, the stupidest shit. And then when it finally happens, I'm like, wow, it was so much worse in my head. Yep. That's that's like exactly. modern anxiety for you though, like you you yeah, always have a yeah, chance right. to play out that's the worst true. case scenario before your coworkers are just like, huh, you know, I've I've I forgot my bike locked. His. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Hey, at least you got the day off though. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Any day out of work, hey. For sure. Yeah, I mean, work is great and it sets us free as a society okay. <laughs> i'm i mean i'm i'm you know i only work three days a week so i'm i'm happy in that i think that's why i love my job so much because i'm not overworked which i is awesome but you know i'm basically poor is what that means but i really don't mind man it's it's a nice balance for me i you know money is what it is it's not my it's not my goal People are going to come out of this post-apocalyptic world that we live in and you're not going to be able to tell them shit. Everybody's poor now and everybody's like, yeah, but you know what? I'm at home with my wife and dog and I don't give a fuck about making more money. I'd rather chill here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm it's not helping. putting on real pants. Yeah, yeah, right. I hope that becomes the new standard. Like everyone's just chilling in sweats. That's the new the, the business suit. The business suit that. is definitely sweatpants Sweat, and like a windbreaker. Yeah. It's a grout fit. Everyone's rocking the grout fit in 2021. Grout? What's a grout fit? So a grout fit is a gray outfit. It's just, you know, all gray, gray sweats, gray sweatshirt. Can, can I mansplain grout. something to you now? Give it a shot, yeah. The word for when you take two words and combine them like that, gray outfit, is called a portmento. Whoa. I thought that was a cheese. It could be a lot of things. <laughs> Port- nice portmento. Portmento is No, it's a, pimento. I'm thinking pimento, right? That's yeah, cheese. pimento cheese is fire. Yeah, what's your favorite cheese? Anybody? I've been eating a lot of feta cheese. That is good. Is whipped cream um, cheese? No. Whipped cream, no. 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 At least I really hope it's not. If if it's somehow technically cheese, then I'm absolutely disgusted. Imagine putting uh, cheese on your ice cream. Oh, <laughs> dude, I I mean, no, we're not gonna go there. Uh, I'm, classic mozzarella. You can't go wrong with mozzarella. I agree. Or blue cheese. I I like a couple blue cheeses. How do you feel about goat cheese? Delicious. Not sure if I've ever really had it. Oh, really? Mm. Eh, I don't think Mario I, and I like the same foods. Give me some. Give me. Give me a nice cheese plug. I need to go find some goat cheese. Oh, I don't know, Mario. Who, what's the goat cheese? I feel like you could get it at Kroger or Lu- definitely Lucky's. Lucky. Definitely Lucky's. <laughs> yeah. Like high quality 
Lucky's has all that bougie shit. Or Yahtzee's. Have y'all been to Yahtzee's? Yeah, I used to work there, dude. What? what all the way Yahtzee's? out in Plain City? Yeah. What? When I Did was in college, from I was, every day? Yeah, when I was home for the summer, I worked at the deli. Wow, that is amazing. And if you work there, you have to work Saturdays, and it's like an it's like an eight or nine hour shift. Oh, is it bit? Is that like their busiest day? Yeah, everybody. Literally, there's a line from the deli counter out the door from the time they open till the time they close. So like I would come in at like whatever time, like eight, we'd come in, like set everything up and we would just like start slicing and then we'd get like a 30 minute lunch break or an hour lunch break, whatever it was. And then we would just slice for four more hours and then we'd clean up and go home. It was fucking nuts. Wow. Did you ever have to do any like gross butcher shit? Uh, we had to like clean the floor mats and like mop. And it was like just like meat and cheese that people had like trampled over that they had. Put up. <laughs> um, we would and we had like a, a floor scraper, so the floor was like waterproof brick, and it had like mats on it. We'd pick up the mats and we had to like scrape shit off the floor with like a metal like scraper. Whoa. Um, we had to clean the inside of the coolers every once in a while, and sometimes they'd be like moldy. Uh, yeah, it was pretty gross. Moldy meat coolers. Yeah, I feel like I've had like I the first time I went to Yahtzee's, I think I was really, really young. I just have like like random visual memories of, of going there. And I think before I went back, like in high school or whatever, I would have these weird like dreams of like this, like this weird, uh, uh, just small, like rustic market. And then, and then I found out, I re-remembered Yahtzee's and I was like, yo, I've been dreaming about this like since <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> just these weird, you know, just like, like the liminal spaces. You guys know what those are? No, it's a liminal oh. space. Liminal spaces, are, they're just like images of like unoccupied spaces that look like, you know, places you've been or places you've seen in your dreams. So like a yeah. dead mall, you know, like it's, an empty store in a dead mall is like a liminal space. Or... When you dream, do you have dreams that take place in the same place over and over? Like, do you re-dream the same areas? I have a couple that I've... I have a couple reoccurring dreams that I've had since I was a kid. One of them's... I always have a zombie dream at least once a year. And it's Wait. always like me and a family member like it you know sometime my mom or or my sisters or something and we're like trapped in a house and it's nighttime and zombies are just like you know, wait describe and, the zombies like i feel like whenever i hear about zombies i think of like slow moving mm -mm. lazy just fucking wimpy <laughs> dead like dead people like, nah, I'm, not, dude, I'm not afraid of zombies I, at all because I feel like one lazy, like, arms out, shitty zombie comes at me, I'm kicking its head straight off. <laughs> dude, I, I wish I dreamed of the shitty zombies. Mine are, like, like running, climbing up buildings and shit. I always, the dream <laughs> always ends with the zombie, like, chasing me and, like, I can't escape. You know, the whole dream, I'm, like, evading zombies. But, but right before I wake up is the point where, like, a zombie catches me. 
and they're always like fast running zombies i hate it so these are like the lebron james of zombies (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the best of the best yeah like oh my god it's been training all of its dead lifetime (laughs) yeah what are some other recurring piling on top of each other it's terrifying so do you only have negative reoccurring dreams <laughs> uh yeah i guess i guess that'd be considered a nightmare um no i used to have this reoccurring dream where like me and a bunch of friends were jumping on a, a huge trampoline at night and we'd be like looking up into the stars and we'd see like aliens like ufos sometimes one would land and like take one of us up and that wasn't scary ever it was always really like cool and like exciting almost i how into the paranormal are you (laughs) like do you have any paranormal experiences my my aunt and her side of the family is like has supposedly been haunted like their whole life or at least in the past couple houses they've been in since i was born like they would wake up and their baby would have like scratches on their back, my cousin, and and they just, I think my grandpa also had a, a car that would like start by itself or something. So maybe, maybe I am haunted. I don't know. <laughs> that, that my one uncle believes <laughs> in God because he turned on his car and it went backwards when he didn't put it in reverse and like didn't. I don't know what the fuck the rest of the story <laughs> is, but that was enough. That's God in action. Yep. There like, it is. I was like, God could have done so many more useful things, dude. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> God is real, and he decided to fuck with your car in a yep. very minor way. Yeah. <laughs> he's just messing around. He's, he's chilling. I have a hard time believing in ghosts. I just don't think that if I was dead, I'd like kick it and fuck with people but you now that i say it out loud maybe i would just kick it and fuck with people i'm kind of a dick <laughs> i my friend first time she came over she to my new place that i just moved into she told me she like sensed an energy and i i sleep upstairs by myself so i was you know fucking spooked i was freaked out and <laughs> So we did a couple things to kind of mitigate the feels. I I don't necessarily believe in like physical entities, but I think like vibes, for lack of a better word, you know, exist. Certain places have certain vibes, you know. Yeah, I guess there's no like concrete evidence of like a ghost just absolutely fucking somebody up. Yeah. (laughs) On camera. My my mom is like this. My mom like weirdly always knows when we like walk into a building she's like something bad has happened here and i'm like (laughs) what and she'll like start talking to people like we were like uh she moved to this small town in north carolina and there was this like little bakery that they would go to and she was like telling me about it she's like i love this place but every time we go in there there's this door behind the counter that people like come from the basement up these stairs out of that door and every time it opens i get a sense of like terror and i was like that's pretty freaky and you like normally pick up on these things so she like asked one of the people that worked there she was like what uh like what's in the basement or like did this building like used to be something else because it's like an old town and they were like 
oh yeah, this used to be like a little hospital building, and in the basement is where they kept like psychiatric patients, like Whoa. locked up, and a lot of people like died down there. And my mom was like, "Are you serious?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, it's like super fucking haunted." And my mom was like, "Wait, really?" And they were like, "Yeah, every night we lock up and we come back in the morning and stuff's like moved around and like knocked over. Like there's like shit down there for sure." Damn. But like, put a camera down there. Like, give yeah. me some concrete evidence. Get yeah, get what is it called? Ghost Adventures. Zach from Ghost Adventures. Dude, Zach Bagans. Yeah, call up the crew. Yes. Get him on. Dude, me- me and my high school girlfriend used to watch that show like every weekend night for like hours in my basement at my mom's house. <laughs> We'd lay on the couch and watch that show for hours. It's and it's so like crazy and creepy, but it's so funny. It is. Because those dudes are goofy as fuck. They're mm-hmm. like, they wear like the like, a, like afflicted t-shirts and like dark, yeah. super dark black hair. Yeah, he's like jacked. Party, yeah. He's like, I'm Zach Bagans. <laughs> so <laughs> sick. <laughs> oh, man. The, the like the Venn diagram of afflicted t-shirts and like ghost hunters. That's actually a circle. <laughs> Everybody who wears a fucking afflicted t-shirts yep. is a hundred percent. Tap out t-shirts too. They're all hunting ghosts. <laughs> That's true. One of That's the like so biggest names in MMA is like a hundred percent convinced that he's been abducted by aliens, George St. Pierre. And somebody was saying that they like went to like a, like they stayed in the hotel room with him and he like put something up against the door. And he was like, this is so we know in the morning if we get abducted cause it's moved. <laughs> and the guy was like, these are aliens traveling from another fucking planet. They can get in through other doors, man. They can go through space and time. I think they can put that thing back before they close the door or whatever. <laughs> You're like, shit, we forgot, we forgot to close the door. We got to go back. Get more Affliction t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> that attracts them. Do you, uh, do, you, do you like UFC and MMA? I love it so much. <laughs> Have you, do you know, did you watch like the first, um, like kind of the start, the start before there were like rules and shit in the nineties, um, no way, like completely different fighting styles against each other. I didn't watch it then. No. Cause I think that happened, that started in like 93 Mm -hmm. and like, it was just like a weird spectacle of like. I also think that everybody thought it was fake at that time because UFC won. You told me that this like five foot three Brazilian guy is going to like grapple fuck everybody. I'd be like, no, no, no. The enormous like sumo wrestler is just going to pick him up, throw him out of the cage. And I think that's a DQ. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it was totally, it was goofy because there was no way of measuring, you know, but but uh, do you know Mark the Hammer Coleman? Oh yeah, Mark Coleman. He lives around here. Yeah, I went he to He just Hiker. had a heart attack. Oh, no fucking way. Yeah, like a couple of days ago. Oh shit. I I went to um like elementary school and then high school with his daughter. What is he like in real life? I don't fucking he probably scary as shit. I never met him, but my dad is like assigned UFC poster by by Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman. He's a scary looking dude. Was back in the day when like steroids were encouraged. (laughs) Like 
These dudes didn't look like humans. They looked like yoked, hairless <laughs> chimps. <laughs> like that's just what like, they looked like. Just swollen. Yeah. Yeah, their drug tests were like a written exam, like, are you on drugs? And then it would say like in parentheses, like, yes is okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, then we Is he alright? Is he doing alright? Oh yeah, I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he just flexed that shit off. That is nuts. There was another UFC fighter who had a heart attack and walked himself to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) He like, his heart was like exploding in his chest. And then he like, was like, oh, my heart hurts. I'm going to go to the hospital. And like walked down the street to the hospital. They were like, oh my God, are you okay? And he was like, I think so. (laughs) <laughs> and then he's like better not him. drive that's not safe i'll I'll just walk there <laughs> what if he, like, i die behind the wheel <laughs> yeah he i'll just took sprint, his unicycle. There. sprint there I'll, I'll do some wind sprints there and then <laughs> like that's some tough guy shit mm-hmm. um, yeah let's get mark coleman on here i feel like he'd be interesting mark that coleman be- is in the is when one of the best documentaries ever about a guy named Mark Kerr. It's called The Smashing Machine. And it it kind of is like, you know, like I think they went into film like, look how badass this guy is. He's like fighting in Japan. He's enormous. He wrestles. He's kick-ass. And it really, like it immediately becomes about how this guy's addicted to opiates and he's doing all these things while like throwing his life away. And so it just like completely like, the tone shifts immediately. Yeah, the tone shifts like instantly. Oh, wow, it's really good. It's worth watching. Wow. Okay. Um, even if I, even if you're not into that shit, which uh, anybody listening like, to this like, is not. I, I, I mean, I grew up with my dad being into it, so I, I got kind of that secondhand interest. But yeah. mm. Mario loves it. He just doesn't tell people about it. <laughs> I've, I don't think I've ever seen an MMA fight like one time. Really? Because we planned to watch one together one time and then it, we didn't and I don't know why. I don't remember what we were going to watch. You were like, this fight's happening and it's sick. You have to watch it with me. And I was like, all right. And then we didn't. I think I think I do that all the time where I'm like, dude, come over, watch it. And then like, because we're on the East Coast, these fights happen so goddamn late. Yeah. Um, then I'm yeah. like, the main event starts at like, one and I'm like, uh, I don't want to wait, and then I like fall asleep. My my thing is, I like if I if I get too invested, then like it triggers my fight or flight, and then all of a sudden I'm like like fucking beefing up, getting <laughs> upset. It just I, I get too I get too into. It. I gotta step away. I if if I'm watching people I like enjoy and care about. I just get so nervous. I'm like shaking the whole time. I'm like, oh God, everybody be okay. Everybody be okay. Everybody be okay. And then sometimes I'm watching these fights and I watch somebody like definitely get brain damage. And I have to like question if this is okay. Like I always think about everything this way when it comes to like weird, maybe not weird, but like jobs like this. I think about the noble eightfold path and one of the parts of the noble eightfold path is right livelihood and it's like are you making your living in a way that doesn't harm other people and i'm like 
Yeah, I think two people agreeing to fight for money is a totally fine way to make a living. Like, I think it's okay. Yeah, I, you know, let let people do what they want to do. I don't know. I yeah, let people. Uh, well, <laughs> to within reason. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you should always check in. Like, hey, man, like <laughs> you you've been taking a, quite a few punches for the past uh, five years. You still good? You still wanting the, you know. Or like maybe don't kill people even though you want to. You're right. Oh, of course. Yeah, that too. I think if they were making a lot more money, I wouldn't be having this internal dialogue. I'd be like, whatever, they're rich. And just moving on. It does bleed into unlike the whole football thing, which I only briefly am aware of, just, you know, people smashing heads all day. And it's, well, yeah. The every other major sport has two things going for it. It's they're unionized so they can get like a 50-50 revenue split between the owners and the players. And that's why, you know, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, all those guys make hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's why the UFC fighters make $12,000. And the other thing is, I forgot what the other thing was. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I totally forgot. Yeah, that's all right. That's interesting. I didn't know that, actually. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah, the unions are, like, a big thing. And they can, like, they, the UFC fighters are never going to unionize. Yeah. And, like... They're too busy worrying about being abducted by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a real fear, man. I always Dude, think I, about... I, I, I feel like it's becoming more and more of a legitimate concern. <laughs> Aliens? Yeah, who fucking knows what's going on these days? I always think about aliens like looking at us right now and then being like, what do you mean they won't put on a mask? What's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah, right. What a bunch of babies. Or maybe it's like... like... Aliens, I feel like aliens looking at humans right now and deciding if they want to interact with us or not would be like... When you look in the oven, you like flip it on to look at like something that's baking, like cookies, and you're like, these are still wet. I'm going to let these cook a little longer before I pull them out of the oven. Yeah. Like they see us and they're like, these people are fucking idiots. Let's let, it, <laughs> let's let them evolve for another couple thousand years. Yeah, right. Or like, have you ever been to the zoo and you see like a chimp or a monkey or an orangutan doing something like just a little bit human-like? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, they can't talk yet. And I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what aliens might be like. They're like, oh, look at them. They have trains and planes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they have trains. That's so, that's so cute. Oh, they went to Mars in their little spaceship. How cute. <laughs> <laughs> and we really are just in, on the cusp of, I mean, like, COVID has been so kind of exposing the fragility of at least, you know, the economy uh, in America. So we really are just little little babies in terms of our... our um, it kind of shoo- like showed us how phony the economy was. Like, remember yeah. that time the U.S. government gave us all over $1,000? Why not do that again? <laughs> like, right. Just give me my money. Free money, please. 
Like it was so, it, money. yeah, money, please. <laughs> and people are like, oh, but the economy, this, and the economy, that. Go point to the economy for me, will you? <laughs> I can show you the 1,200 wing wangs in my bank account. I don't know what a fucking economy is. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED Talk, everybody. I, uh, what are you looking forward to post-COVID, aside from gray outfits? Right, the gray outfits, yeah. Um, well, hopefully, Confusions will hop on tour right away. We um, just signed with a, a label out of Boise called Earth Libraries, um, and they've got bands all over the U.S., and they've kind of been, you know, just giving us the the lowdown on everything so ideally we'd like to just get on the road as soon as possible once covid is taken care of have you gone on tour before um no i wouldn't consider it a tour but i've done like a like a two-state you know like a basically a weekend trip um which is pretty fun a little chaotic but it's fun Oh, it's got to be chaotic or it doesn't count, you know? Yeah, that's like half, that's half the fun right there. It's just like, where am I sleeping tonight? Who's paying for dinner? What, do we have enough gas? Yeah. It's, it's the, all about the, the, the first time I went on tour and I was just like, how do we not have places to sleep? <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh yeah, I sleep in my house, sleep in my parents' mansion. My yeah. parents have a dog yeah. mansion you can sleep in. That's yeah, I feel like you just stumble upon these these weird experiences that you, that you wouldn't run into otherwise, you know, it's just very unique. You got to find the rich DIY kids. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. And they're yeah. like, they're like sleep in my guest house. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I had a similar situation. I, I, me and a friend drove up to, to uh, Canada to pick up our friend who landed in there from Germany. And we just decided to spend the week up there, but we had like nowhere to stay. So my friend from Germany, because he's from Germany and he's not paranoid like everyone in the U.S., like went on um, couch surfing and just found this old couple. And we ended up staying in like a guest house and like kayaking right on the lake in Montreal. It was it was insane. And it was, you know, it was free. He just like stumbled upon this. I'm like, man, that's that. That European hospitality, I feel like, yeah. you know. I, when I was on tour, one of my bandmates got a little freaked out one of the nights. And like, it was like the chillest house in Athens, Georgia. It was like such a nice place. And like in the middle of the night, he like got up and like turned all the lights on. Like that's going to do anything. <laughs> and I remember waking up in the morning like, did I get up and turn all the lights on in the middle of the night? Like, <laughs> why would I do that? And he was like still up. He was like. No, I did that. I don't know, man. Bad juju out here. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, you're not driving. Yeah. You walked the hospital for that heart attack. What do you know what triggered it? Was he just having a bad night? Yeah. Or, or He had like a really weird experience when he was staying in Paris. Mm. Um, and I don't really like, I don't know too much about the story, but I remember he said the woman he stayed with just like kept trying to get him to drink this water. Mm. And he was like, 
there's no i think he like knocked it off the table it's like i'm not drinking the fucking water you're pointing to and telling me to drink over and over and over i'm not that stupid and he knocked it off and i don't know maybe the place looked a little bit like that Hmm. and i was like uh no this is athens georgia this isn't dangerous paris right there's yeah there's no parisian water in athens georgia unless you pay was that lady trying to kill him i don't know she was probably just like please drink this water like you must be thirsty and he's like fuck you lady and she's like i'm sorry (laughs) i imagine he looks like terrible like he's so dehydrated his eyes are like sunken in his cheeks have no fat he's like and she's like you need water like (laughs) but she doesn't speak english she's like you need you need to drink the water and he's like bitch i don't need water yeah (laughs) americans don't drink water yeah, Americans don't need water. No, it's kind of cool. You run on gasoline. Um, but everybody will put you up every place that you stay, except for Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, yeah? yeah that, for some reason, I don't think those mountain folk in Asheville will put you up. Doesn't hit right? They just, they're chilling out there, and I don't think they want people to get too comfortable in Asheville because they know they're sitting on a good thing. <laughs> not discovered yet. Oh, yeah, like it's just tight enough. They don't want to open it up to anyone else. Uh, That was a few years ago. I think it's opened up now. I think every disgruntled New Yorker moved right down to Asheville, North Carolina. (laughs) I can't take the subway and then hop down there. Yeah, just immediately. Yeah, yeah, one day. They they missed the subway one day, and they're like, I'm done. Asheville, here I come. Now, the subway stop came, and they were going to go get on the subway, and the doors opened. And there was no space for another human being in that car in front of them. Yeah. And they went, fuck this, I'm going to Asheville. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quitting my job, I'm going to Asheville. Hey, I, I, there's something to be said about just dipping out, moving into the mountains. I mean, as somebody that's moved a bunch, yeah, there's something about just dipping out mm-hmm. and having people be like, yo, dude, what are you up to? Ah, I moved. <laughs> i'm actually across the country right now yeah yeah dude I'm, I'm gone i just like couldn't stand the subway so i moved to the mountains I could i'm hoping i'm hoping people are you know i know it'll take time in terms of like precautions and stuff when covid ends or is it, or is controlled but i'm hoping you know the hospitality kind of um, is still accessible when touring is, is happening again. If you could go back to like February or March before everything got to the way it is now, what would you do different? <clears throat> oh, that's weird. <clears throat> Don't say get a haircut. <laughs> no, definitely not get a haircut. Um, Fuck man, that's so weird. That my life literally changed within that month. Like so much changed, it's hard to. Let me think on that. Do you have an answer for that? I don't. You know, I was when everything shut down. I was down in D.C. visiting my my sister lives down there, and I was with my mom and my family and my dad and my sister, and I was just chilling. 
And it was kind of like in the back of all, everybody's minds, like, we don't know what's going on. The world's getting weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have just like, I, I guess I, I was going to say I might have stayed down there, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I don't know. I didn't. I was just watching the NBA. The NBA shut down, and I was like, fuck, I got to go home and get toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, Mario? What would you do? What would I do? What was the question? What would you do differently if you could go back to like March or February? Oh, nothing. You crushed it. I don't think I have anything that I would change. I mean, it's just kind of like it is what it is, you know? I think at the uh, end of the day, it is what it is. What it could I have done to prepare? I guess, I mean, maybe if I was just like picked up and dropped in March. I would like have gotten rid of a lot of shit that I owned. So when I moved into my new house, I wouldn't have had to move so much stuff. Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to be like, oh, fuck off to New Zealand. Oh yeah. I mean, actually maybe that would have been a good idea. That's Yeah. That's a good one. Just, just like, just dip out, like, like do those, you know, those chaotic travel plans that, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, that's when COVID was getting, you know, still new and everything. I think my answer, my, my, the most like legitimate answer would be just to have started school earlier. So uh-huh. it could be done with it faster. Yeah. Are you in school now? Yeah, I am. For what? I'm, I'm just taking my gen eds right now, but I'm, I'm planning on, getting a degree um in jazz comp and i want a minor in folklore nice yeah i uh the best thing i i did in college was i took all of my major credits like pretty early and got them kind of out of the way and then i've moved for a year into my gen eds in ireland oh shit and then i came back to central pennsylvania for my senior year and I've never been more depressed in my life. <laughs> so you were all over. You've been. You went to school and did you go to school in Pennsylvania and then Ireland and then back to Pennsylvania? Yeah, I did two years in Susquehanna University. Then I moved to Dublin for a year and did a year in in North Dublin. And then I came back and graduated, and I was like, "How the fuck?" Did I am I back here in this tiny little town? Yeah. Like, but I was I was trying to transfer. Like I didn't really like that school, and uh, transferring sucks, and it's expensive. And a lot of places just throw out all of your credits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So I think I made the right choices where I met my wife. So it's all good. Hey. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No I, regrets. I. I. I I don't know, man. I my my goal with this degree is to basically give me an in um, with like places like the Smithsonian, where I can kind of archive and and curate different music from all over the world, and I guess help sustain some traditions that have gotten kind of uh, westernized or maybe just overlooked. You know, there's so much music that I feel like. People just don't know about because it's not like good. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not good, and it's, it's not, not you know, it's maybe it's not easy. It's not easily accessible. 
Um, so you're into ethnomusicology and like music from other places? Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been very recently been digging deeper into kind of more specifically. I, I've been really into uh, like classical Arabic music and like oud music old love songs and stuff in Arabic. There's a dude that just moved into the house down the street from me that moved here from Saudi Arabia. And he like, we walked over there and we were like, Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. And he was like, I have an Oud. And he like brought it out and was playing it. What? Yeah. <laughs> dude, I, I am actually, I, I've been thinking about y'all know radio 614, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to, pitch pitch an idea for a block that you know it's, it's like it's basically i want to basically compile a, bu- a bunch of recordings of like local um people in columbus that play arabic music so that'd be sick that guy if, if, if he wants to record with me or something yeah I'm looking, I'm looking for for all sorts of people in columbus that play traditional Arabic instruments or sing in Arabic or anything like that. How did you get into that? I just, it it probably started in like high school. Like, you know, when you listen to like Mr. Bungle and Frank Zappa all day, you get these, these just random suggestions on Spotify. And, and through that, and Zappa was really into, to Arabic music. So that kind of took me there too a little bit, but, I just listened to it and I liked it. It was like new and it it stimulated my ears. And even though I didn't really understand what was going on, I was like, this is like something's drawing me towards it. So I just kind of kept sticking with it and diving deeper into the specific genres and the regional traditions and things. And I think Arabic's just a beautiful language. It's... I, even though you don't understand the words, you can get what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, there's a concept in Arabic music called tarab and it doesn't, it doesn't translate in English, but it basically just means like ecstasies. And there's a whole like genre of music around that. It's just these, these grand love songs uh, with like a full orchestra on the back and you just, you can just feel it. You don't really need to know what they're singing about. I can get behind that. It's good, man. And especially if you're into microtonal stuff, I mean, that's, you know, that's, where a lot of that comes from. Yeah. I, not to like bag on microtonal music, but like anytime I pick up a guitar and it feels like I don't know how to play it, I get extremely frustrated. (laughs) So like open tunings and microtonal guitars both frustrate me because I'm like, ah! (laughs) Yeah, it's intimidating as shit. I'm I'm debating if I ever want to pursue trying to learn like the oud or something or if I just want to appreciate it, you know, from a distance. Oh, you might as well learn it. What if it's easy as fuck and you're like, oh, now I'm over it. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Oh, it's <laughs> oh, <tough>. mm. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just kidding. Too easy for me. Yeah, no, I, I highly doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think there's an instrument out there aside from the drums that's just easy. Oh. 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 Drums are fucking hard for me, dude. I... I'm I'm blessed that Ben has has let me basically practice drums in his band for the past year and a half. You know, it's, uh, I just it's like to hurt Mario's feelings whenever I can. But if if I didn't have Mario in my life, I would just be uh, 
fucked. I'd be shit out of luck, dude. You know what needs to happen? Or what would be really sexy? Um, John is about to move in with me. If we got a t-shirt, Alpha Buddha collab, we could we could do some nasty stuff in that. We uh, we used to have a bass player, but now we don't have a bass player. So we're just looking for, you know, why don't we get a few bass players? Just two. Just <laughs> me and John both on bass. <laughs> it would be... Me and John on drums and Jack and Jake on guitars. Yeah, no that's, bass what that's what we'd have to do. No bass. I, I can, you know, I, can, I anticipate you'll be playing leads just because you're insane like that. So I can lay back and play some of the, the more rhythmic stuff. We can, we can do whatever, really. We can get as crazy as we want. I like the idea of having two drummers, but I also like the idea of having like a drummer and then like a percussionist. You know what I mean? Dude, that's cool, but two drum sets is fucking nuts. Like like a drummer like, and a percussionist is more like normal. But that's like, like two pretty drummers. It's like expected. Two drum sets is like crazy. We could get here here's what I'm hearing. We could we could go from like free jazz chaos into these like fl- fully fleshed out, you know, compositions with the four of us. I think we could balance that dynamic pretty strongly. It's happening. It's going down it's right going now. Down. My buddy transcribed a, like a little bit of a free jazz piece and Ugh. it was like some, I don't give a shit what it was, but he showed it to the guy who made the, the album and he was like, look, I transcribed like a bunch of this song that you did. And the guy looks at it, looks at my friend and goes, that's not the point of this. And hands the paper back to him. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, he probably put in so many hours of work to transcribe it. And he was like, that's, that's a beautiful, not- that is a beautiful like metaphor, you know, for free jazz or, or like folk music. Like the whole point is that you feel it, not not that you uh, can analyze it. Not that there's anything wrong with analyzing. It's just different context, maybe. In my opinion, you know, there are different scenarios, like like Miles Davis, who would kind of blend the two. There, you would be improvising on like structured things. So. I yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem with anybody analyzing anything, but yeah. it's, sometimes it's hard to like analyze pieces through the lens of western analytics you know what i mean like how do you i don't know how to like write sheet music out for microtones there might be yeah yeah that's the thing like like a lot of a lot of like folk music traditions are completely oral or like auditory you know like these guys you know um or blue blues is a great example even jazz like these guys well jazz they were writing out stuff, but but it all started with a bunch of dudes sitting around just listening to themselves play. So yeah, I have no problem with, with people analyzing too. It's just, I think it almost just puts it in a different context though. That's something I asked Mario about when he was recording to tape, because like ever since I've been able to record music, there's been like the visual wave of what the song, like the wave file is, you know what I mean? I can see that in my logic file. But I would like to do that recording process where there is none of that bullshit. You just, if you, if it's wrong, you hear it. You know what I mean? 
There's yeah, no like, well, oh, that thing's not on the line of the bar. Like you can't see that with tape. That's like, interesting. I know some people are like tape purists, but that idea seems beneficial in a lot of ways. I don't know. Mario, what, what was the new Hydron recording process like? You went into a studio that's different, right? Normally it's just all you, isn't it? Yeah, normally isn't maybe the best word because we haven't, I haven't done very much, but um, really like when I started it um, in like 2019, I just did like demo. I put out some like home recordings that I had done um, and I had demoed out probably like 15 songs and I did six of them. Like I redid six of them and put them out. And then I just found some bandmates to play live. Um, and that was, um, we put out two more tracks that I did at home, but that was me playing guitar and singing and Aaron was drumming and Jeff was playing bass. Um, and then Jeff left and we got Peter so it was me, Peter, and Aaron. And for a long time, most of Hydron's existence has been, um, I mean, like me, Jeff, and Aaron was a lot of like getting things off the ground and ramping up and playing shows. And then once me, it, once Peter joined and it was me, Peter, and Aaron, we like wrote a bunch of stuff. Um, and we were, we just played all the fucking time. Like we just played a bunch of shows and we didn't record anything. And uh, when quarantine happened, it was like, we should like fucking record some stuff. All we do is play shows. So we started preparing to record and then Aaron left to do palette knife stuff. Um, and I got Brian, um, Baker. Do you know, did I tell you that? Yeah, I saw, well, I saw a little bit. I think you told me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we got Brian and, um, we had been planning with Aaron, me, Aaron and Peter to record like a six song EP. Um, but then we got, Brian and I was like, I just want to do a fucking album. Let's mm -hmm. take some of these songs and let's write new ones and let's just hit it. And for two months, we just rehearsed the shit out of these songs and like wrote new songs. And then we went to the studio for a weekend. We would just had like two days and we just played them all live. And then we did like minimal overdubs and that was it. So it was, it was a whirlwind. Um, but yeah, so it started off just being me and I would like to do more like home recording stuff. Cause it's a lot of fun. Um, but it's kind of just ever evolving. Yeah. yeah. But the cool. tape thing was very cool. The, the coolest thing about it is that everything like immediately sounds good. Like you can record stuff digitally and be listen back and be like the tones sound crispy and cold and disgusting. Yeah. Like everything that hits tape immediately sounds great. Um, yeah, and then from there, just, yeah, and then from there, it's just like tweaking it to make it sound like good, great, instead of just like good. I guess I don't know. Like I guess it sounds good when it hits tape, and then it's like now we gotta mix it and make yeah. it sound great. But um, it was very fun. It was very cool. It was a good experience. I think next time I'll probably want to spend more time recording more than two days, but. Yeah, because we did. Yeah, we did ten tracks in two days, so it was like insane. That it is nuts. I want to produce Hydron's next EP. I want to do that. No, I, let's hear it. Fair enough. Come on, fuck you. <laughs> Come on, let him do it. Come on. I don't know if I want to go back to digital now. 
I think I would like to continue doing tape. It's all tape all the time. So if you can produce us, if you can produce a hydron record on tape, then you can do it. So you got to start learning, learning about curve, it, right? No, <laughs> that's probably easy. You'll probably be fine. I think it transfers. I think if you know how to do digital, you know how to do tape. That's how. That's how that works. You know what, John? John mastered my album that I put out on Halloween, and he did some mixing too. But it was all on Ableton, and then he mastered it to tape. So he fed it through a tape machine, and then brought it, brought the files back. That is another another thing that I feel like people do that does make it sound very good. Just like that last layer, just like right. running it through, it sounds very nice. Yeah. We can almost get like the best of both worlds. Like you can get your yeah. fidelity, you know, as, as much as high, as clean as you need it to be. And then you can fuck it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I want to try the tape thing. Seems sick. We were going to try to do a, like a live record, kind of like Hydra was doing. And yep. then, uh, our bass player moved to Scotland. But, <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah, well, we were. He did we were that. Fine. He's like, I, I'm, I'm leaving the fucking country. Uh, his wife got accepted to a grad school program over there. Oh, that's sick. So you can't be, I can't be mad at him. Nah, like, yeah, you can't what? be mad. But my band. <laughs> oh man, the band. Yeah, that. I've left bands because I've moved. So. Yeah, this is the same thing that happened to you when you moved to Columbus. I know. <laughs> I told your, Shred Flintstone one day, I was girlfriend. like, hey, I'm moving to Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. You left, your, you left your Irish traditional band when you were up there finishing out your degree to, to come to Columbus. I You're- would absolutely love to play in an Irish traditional band. Oh, my God. That would be so fun. That Apparently, there's a band around finish. here that does that. I forget where, but my coworker was telling me there's there was like, a bar know, across the street that used to have like live Irish music every like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or whatever it was, Monday or whatever. Yeah. And they would play like uh, at the uh, Clada across the street, but now it's a TQL. It's not a bar. It's not oh, an Irish bar. It's like a fucking logistics place. And I, It's not Clada anymore? It's not the Clada anymore, no. Yeah, that's. I think that was the place. Yeah, my, I had an old roommate here who used to work there. That was like a legit like Irish pub. And that place was, it's enormous and it was always empty. Yeah. So I, That's I, I so sad. Of, yeah. It was, it was really nice and they did a lot of good stuff. But it, clo- it closed down like a year or so ago. See, that's why we need people, that's why we need music nerds like archiving these small little places that are still doing this because, because they're all getting taken out by these stupid tech companies. <laughs> I have been thinking so much about like giving back to music in a way. Like that's what this is, is me trying to like give some exposure to people that play music that otherwise like can't play shows. Cause you know, Mario, I was never booking any shows for people. I was never like doing any of that stuff. And now I'm like, Oh, you know what? Let's try to like help people out. Let's get their names out there. Let's expose them to audiences. And then the other day I was talking with my wife and we were talking, I was like, shit, we should open up a venue. And she's like, yeah, we should open up a venue when this is all done. And I was like, oh, that would be fucking amazing. Mm. Like, but also I am 
lazy as shit. <laughs> so are you talking a house venue or like a brick, like a, like Disney? a proper venue. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, Columbus need Irish... to do the DIY scene is not practically non-existent currently. As far as I understand, I mean, half the DIY scene right now is living in Mario's house. So, <laughs> no there's I, so many people they, yeah, there are i just feel like they're dispersed i mean that's probably yeah. just my perspective you know i have there's not like a scene i feel like it's pockets i feel it like because i live with cam and sierra in like trying and first responder and then brady mm-hmm. who has stock photo family and then i think about like colin um dandelion hunter he plays in first responder yeah, I know. Like the tetanus dudes are like more wrapped into like the skater world and like that crowd, but they're sick as fuck. Um, like Wasp Factory, Jules, and all those people. Um, who else? Who else is doing like the cool DIY shit? Damn, well, Wasp Factory Brian, is like really Dana, DIY. Right? Wasp Factory is sick. They're they insane. were sick at the thing. The last thing we did with them at a uh, ninety four yeah. fest. Brian plays in like Dana, right? What's up? Doesn't Brian, your drummer, play in Dana? Yeah, Dana yeah. Um, is like, like Chris and Madeline and Brian and I don't know, the bassist. Um, and they're Peter a part of like that, that like older crew. Like they're right. all close to 30, so it's like Joe Carmelingo, like Classical Baby and Van Dale and all those fuckers. The seasoned veterans, yeah. Your, your boy Peter plays in Sister Owsley. Which is like yeah, and that's like if, the if opposite. You're talking, like the young, one group's old, that group's super young. Yeah, they're like nineteen, twenty. Mm. I love being in a band with Peter, who is twenty years old, and Brian, who is thirty-three. Yeah, you're right. You're in the sweet spot. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm yeah, I'm twenty-six, so I'm like right between them. But that's what um, I want to do. I want to get a young Ohio State like jazz pianist. So you're going to have me yeah. at 31, you at 26, and then some, like, 20-year-old kid. Yeah. Yeah, I got you, man. I, I'm copying your approach, like, your fucking way of doing it. It's a good approach. You should, yeah, it's make friends with everyone. Age doesn't matter. In terms of, you know, music, if you can play music together, then you can play music together. You walk that to think age doesn't matter quick. statement back real quick. In terms of music is what I'm referring to. (laughs) It matters a lot. Um, I got to take a pee. So let's wrap this up, boys. Okay. Where can people find you, Jake? What's, what's, uh, how do people Uh, slide into your DMs? Yeah, man. Yeah. Just, just follow me on Spotify. Uh, at Jake Summers, just my name. Or I guess you can follow me on Instagram, J underscore Ummers. Jummers. Jummers. Check out Confusions. Um, we got a lot of shit coming out. And on my Instagram, you can find the other projects I'm in. Uh, sick. Well, thank you very much, Mario. You have anything to say? Any last words, anybody? Uh, yeah, suck my dick. Word up. Okay, I will. All right, bye. 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 Bye.